Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, let us reason. I think by now, and I think we're up to number 63 in this particular series, the longest series we've ever done, and rightfully so, because it demands that we pay close attention to a lot of the aspects concerning the historical development of the Quran, the historical critique of Islam, the uh, holes in the standard Islamic narratives, and uh, uh, you know, basically the list can go on and on and on. In the last couple of episodes alone, we've been paying close attention to the damage inflicted on this principle or concept that the Quran is a perfectly preserved book. And I think by now, you should know that that's far be it from the truth. Uh, there is no such thing as a perfectly preserved Quran. And if that's the case, I would challenge any of my Muslim friends or anyone to present to us one seventh century complete copy of the Quran that matches today's 1924 Hafs edition. Even that have problems. But let's hold off here and let our dear brother, Dr. J, unpack all of this for us. Dr. J, as always, thank you so much and welcome back. Thank you to have me. Thanks to having me. So we're talking about these kid'uts that Hutton put up. She put up 26 in 2016, which she's up to now 37, 30 official ones and seven others from the Huffs, uh, from the Huffs derivations that were created in Egypt between 24 and 36, 1924 and 1936. Let's look and see historically how these came about. And this is what Muslims don't know. And this is why the graph that I'm going to be showing you, I'm going to be putting up on the screen, look at this graph and you will see just how damaging this idea is. So let's start it. Let's all go to the screen and let's look at the 30 official Kirat. Kirat means readings uh, and transmitters. Uh, these would be the riwayat. So let's look at the first seven. These are the seven that all the Muslims talk about as the uh, the Kirat. These are the creme de la creme, as Yasser Qadi calls them. And what Muslims will tell you is that these sevens are seven companions or seven codices that are seven dialects that existed at the time of Muhammad himself. 
when Muhammad uh, was re- getting these revelations, he would then recite it to the companions. Many of the companions came from other parts of the Arab-speaking world, and they didn't understand the Qureshi dialect. They couldn't understand what he was saying. So according to tradition, Muhammad then went to uh, Jibril, the angel, said, could you give me uh, some more of the dialects? And Jibril said, gave him seven more dialects, or six more dialects, and now there were seven dialects. And so these are the seven. These are the seven that you see here. Now, just read them. Let's just go down through the list. You have Nafi from Medina, uh, and then you have Ibn Kathir from Mecca. So that's Medina and Mecca. Uh, You have Abu Amir from uh, Basra. You have Ibn Amir al-Damaski from Damascus. Right. You have Asim Ibn Abi al-Najud from Kufa. Kufa is in uh, Iraq. Yeah. Hamza al-Zalyat from Kufa, which is in Iraq. Al-Kisa'i from Kufa, which is in Iraq, right? That is interesting because you see a lot of them north except except just for two, one Medina and one Mecca. And okay. you would think these are the two that should be prominent. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. North? Was Muhammad ever up there? No. No, so he never ever was in Kufa. He never was in Damascus. He never went up that high. There was no Islam in any of those cities at this time. Before This is all before 632. So there's already, you see, there's a problem here. Mecca, Medina, yes, possibly, if Mecca existed. But even so, if you're going to go with the standard Islamic tradition and you're saying these are the seven that existed who were companions of the Prophet, they're already from cities that never, the Prophet never lived in or that Islam hadn't even entered yet, not this early. Yeah. And even if they come back and say, well, these are people that came to visit him, memorized the Quran and went, wait a minute, uh, we're not aware of a full Quran by the time of his death. How did they that. know this? Hold on a minute. And second of all, even the tradition that says that the Quran was revealed in seven Ahruf, wasn't even known to Umar ibn al-Khattab, wasn't even known to Ubay. Go figure. Ubay ibn Kaab. Now, yeah. look, to make this and really yeah. underline this, look at the dates they died. Let's go to the dates. So Nafi died in 785. 785. Muhammad died in 632. Ibn Kathir died in 738. Abu Amr died in 770. Ibn Amir died in 736. That's the closest. That's the closest you're going to get to Muhammad. Right. Asim died in 745. Hamza died in 772. Al-Kisai died in 805. Hold on a minute. These are all 8th and 9th century. Right. These are over 100 years, in some case 150 years after Muhammad, 180 years after Muhammad. None of these men knew Muhammad. So you cannot say that these are the companions of the Prophet. They're not even the same century Muhammad lived. Not even the companions would have lived that long anyway. There you go. So you, and this is what you won't find in Wikipedia. When you put this, I got this from Wikipedia, but the dates aren't there. I did, I had to go and research every one of these dates. You've got to show the dates. So people take this slide that I'm putting up and you, uh, uh, Print it off and take it down to your Muslim friend. But notice, notice, notice what's missing in those seven. Do you notice a name that is missing? Hafs. He's not there. Yep. This is the one that is the standard that's been used for the whole world. Where is his name amongst these seven? And look and see where these seven were chosen. Who chose these seven? Muhammad? No, his name is Ibn Mujahid. He chose them, and look at the date that he died. He died in 936. That is the 10th century. He chose these seven in the 10th century. This is 300 years after Muhammad. None of these seven he chose actually knew Muhammad, even lived in the same century. But we still don't have the guy, this guy, the one that is now the official for the whole world. So where did this one come in? Let's look at the next group, because there were so many of these Qurans. Because... 
remember, every one of these characters that was creating a Quran put his name to it. So you would put your dots where you wanted to. You would put your three vowels where you wanted to. And you call it your own after your name, Al-Fari. I come along and I'm living in another city and I live in Basra. You live in Kufa. And uh, I live in Basra. And I said, no, no, I don't like your dots. I'm going to put my dots here and I'm going to put my vowels here. And then I call it the Smith, the Smith one. Fortunately, it's not up there. And by this time, everybody starts doing this. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the one who has done the work on this, and he's the one who's probably the one that we have to go to, uh, Nasser. Fad, uh, what's his name? First name? Oh, Shadi Nasser. Shadi Nasser. Who's, Dr. Shadi Nasser, doctoral, wonderful, wonderful scholar. And he did his doctoral thesis on this. He said that there could be as many as 700 of these that came about. That's why Ibn Mujahid was given this responsibility. However, then you have in 1194. So 1194, you have these 14 that were chosen. Two for each one of the first seven. These are the transmitters of those qira'a technically. Riwayats. We know them as riwayats. Each of the qira'ats have two students. So you have qira'a and rawis. So uh, Nafi has Kalud and Warsh. Then coming on down to number five, Asim has Shuba and Hafs. And, and, And Jay, tell people, what was the criteria to select those? The criteria was which of these students had the most students. In other words, it was done by popularity. So if it was for today... Who has the most subscribers on YouTube? That's what and you would Twitter go. followers. You and, would go and Facebook. I'm a Qarit right now and you a Rawi. You would be a Qarit. I would be a Ruayat. <laughs> and so that's why it's so important that you look at. You do not choose a, a a a book as authoritative on who has the most students. You open the book and see which is the one that is exactly like the other one. None of these are alike. They're all completely different. But that didn't stop there in the 12th century. This is 1197 that Al Shatabi chose these 14. In 14, uh, 1429, then, you get this group, and this is Al-Jazari. Al-Jazari is probably the world, uh, the Muslim world's authority on the Qira'at, and he is the one that chose three more Qira'ats, and for each Qira'at, he had to choose six Ruwayats, and you can see them there in purple there, so that makes it now another nine. But that is 1429. What that means, this is the 15th century. This is 800 years later. You see what I'm saying? Yes. This is hugely significant. 800 years later, we finally get the 30. These then become the official 30. 10 kira'ats and uh, 20 ruwayats. Uh, 10 plus 20 makes 30. By the 15th century, then they closed down the kira'ats, chosen by these three men. So uh, let's repeat. At least the seven green ones were selected by Ibn Mujahid based on popularity. Right. Based on so it's not based on accuracy. It's not based on what the prophet really they revealed. They didn't open one book to look at exactly. one word. They exactly. didn't open one book to look at one sentence. They didn't compare it with the other to see if they were the same. And that was their mistake. That's why the Muslims don't know what to do today. They did not do their job. You do not choose a manuscript or a book de- uh, dependent on who is the most popular uh, person in that group. Now here, here's let's look at Huffs because Huffs is the one that is chosen. So let's put Huffs up there. How many differences would you guess between Huffs and the other 29? What would you guess on the top of your head? In the uh, thousands? A few thousand? Yeah. Okay. You'd be happy with a few thousand? I mean, uh, one will be a problem. The, even one word. Even right. one difference. Exactly. One uh, difference would make would shut down all the arguments of not one word, not one letter, not one huff, exactly. not one surah, not one ayah has been changed, right? Which all the scholars are saying, which even the YouTubers right. are saying. You want to know how many differences there are? 
Now, this is what um, Hatun has done with her team in London. They were the ones, and they're all Arab speakers. They've gone through, and they've just accumulated. It's taken them years to do this, to find out how many differences there are between Huffs and the other 29. And here's the answer. Let's look at the screen. Boom, boom, boom. 93,263 difference. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's at least whatever they were able to finish so far. That's all they've come up with so far. We don't even know if there's maybe another ten to 20,000 more than that. But 93,000 differences between huffs, 93,000 different words, 93,000 different meanings. How different? That's the next episode. We're and that includes and jots, tittles, rusm, a lot of things. You not rusms. Not these are just dots and vowels. Okay. Just dots and vowels. Wonderful. And we're going to be exposing some of that in the next... We're uh, going to get the rosin later on with Dan Brubaker's material, but just thoughts and vows right now in the kid. That's in the next episode. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, this is Al-Fadi, over and out. God bless. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al-Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Hello, everyone. This is Al-Fadi, and uh, we are uh, excited to show you today some tangible evidence of what we've been talking about for the last couple of episodes concerning differences between multiple copies of the Quran. And today we're going to focus on what we call the most popular reading, the Hafs reading, compared to other readings as well. Let's call it this Ahruf claim, that seven Ahruf uh, the claim that they're all the same, that nothing have changed, that the Quran is perfectly preserved. We will uh, show you a few samples, just really a handful of samples to expose this idea that there is perfect preservation because what you will see, you will be able to judge on your own that there is no such thing as a perfectly preserved Quran. Rather, there are different Qurans. And if we, you know, uh, if my Muslim friends will acknowledge this, we won't be having any problem, by the way. We won't be even doing the show. Uh, the problem is solved. But when we keep hearing this insistence on the perfection of this book called the Quran, then we have the duty to really show our Muslim friends first and others that such claim does not stand the test, period. Dr. J, what say you? Exactly. And uh, I remember after we uh, went public with this, and certainly after this interview that we're going to show in a bit uh, between Qadi and Muhammad Hijab, Shabir Ali quickly put up a video to counter this because he was asked the same question in June of 2020. And he says, okay, all right, we do admit that there are differences in vowelization, there are differences in diacritical marks, but they don't change any meaning. There is no doctrine that has been changed. Duh, just keep calm. There is no theology that has been changed. Please keep calm. There is no practice. He made those three. Basically, he was mimicking what we have said about the Bible and the many different. Uh, we have been very transparent 
course there are differences. There are scribal differences uh, between the different gospel accounts. We are very open about that. We even show it. We even tell the reader. We put it in footnotes. This is what uh, one uh, manuscript says. Here's what another manuscript. So we've always been transparent because we would never make these claims of inimitability, of eternality, uh, that this is nothing, this is, that no man can change it. We know that men can change it because my copies are made of copies of copies of copies uh, all the way down through the centuries. So when we, uh, after we held these up, Hutton and I, the very next day, because there was so much noise and people were grabbing our papers, we decided to do an hour video doing and comparing some of these changes. You can go on Fander Films and you can see it. It's about an hour long. It's one of our most popular videos. And that was back in 2016. Now, I'm going to show you some of the some of the slides from that video. Let's go look at the slide and let's just see if there are some changes. Now, I want you to, especially, you're an Arab speaker, look at the slide here. Here is Surah 2, Ayah 184. So it's chapter 2, verse 184. On the left side in green is the Hafs in the Arabic there. You can see the Arabic there. Mm-hmm. On the right side is the Warsh. Uh, and it's the Warsh is from North Africa. The Hafs is the one that's used all over the world. Let's just look at this word miskinin. And I want to point, I'm going to point. Okay, let's go and show here. I want to look here, and ab- below the the meme is a kasra, right? Can you see the kasra there? Right. Okay, now let's look over in the wash and look at the same word. Above the uh, the meme is a fatta. Well, well, I mean, if I may interject here, uh, really the issue is not the kasra or fatha. The issue is, is it plural or singular? Okay, hold on. We're going to get, yeah. but I just want to show you so people can see that. Don't right. get into the meaning. We're going to get into that later. Well, you have look, to use these kind of things. Okay, can you see that there are two yeah. different, one a slash below on the left, I see a slash above on the right. Yeah. So people don't know what you're saying because you're Arabic. These are non-Arabic. So if, anybody, if they're non-Arab, they can see the difference. Anybody who doesn't speak Arabic, can you see that? There is a dash, a slash below. That's uh, that's a kasra. There are three vowels. Right. That's a vowel. That is the E vowel. And then there is a slash above. In this case, that is the A. That is a fatta. Now let's look at one more. Here above the noon, is, below the noon is another kasra. See the, the kasra there? That is a slash below the noon. Over on the wash side, it's above the noon. With the tanwin above, I mean, uh, shada above it, and there is a fata. So that's a ah, all right? So it, it, go ahead and say the two words. One is what on the left, and what's the, the other one? one with, uh, the worst reading is saying masakin, that's plural, meaning poor, let's use the English translation, poor people or poor ones. The one in Hafs is reading miskin, one poor person or one, uh, uh, you know, basically poor. Here is why this is significant theologically. Because okay, before we get theological, are everybody seen? Just no. by taking a slash below and putting it above, it changes dynamically. So let's go in this. It's not just about this. It's about the word itself, brother. Not just the Fatha and the Kasra. One is clearly with the Ya at the end is indicating and also the... Uh, uh, the dagger alif, you can tell this is a plural word versus the other one. Okay. Now, this is a during the fast. You're, you're doing the fast, and uh, you can, for, for your redemption, you can feed somebody else, either one person or you can feed many people or a number of people, right? Yes. Th- these are exceptions. If you could not fast because, let's say, you're ill or you're traveling or In let's lieu say, of that. Yeah, and a woman may be having her monthly, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically thing. Uh, you have to really cover for the days that you're not fasting in a certain way. So Warsh is saying you need to uh, use what it's called fidya uh, to feed 
multiple people because the plural in Islam, in the Arabic word means three, minimum of three at least, because you can use a dual for two, but here masakin meaning three at least. The other one, Hafs is saying you only need to feed one person. Now remember, Quran, uh, Islam is a religion of works. You accumulate good deeds. So which one is it? You feed multiple people or one person only? Absolutely. So significant for those unable to fast, can they feed a poor man one or many poor men? This has both theological implications as well as change in practice. You, so Shabir Ali is wrong. You cannot say that this doesn't change the practice. It, which one are you are you are you good to do in lieu of doing the fast? Is it one or is it many? You can't look me in the face and tell me it's the same. Yeah, you can. It doesn't can. work that way. Let's do another one. Here's another one, and this is uh, chapter three, verse one forty-six on the left. You have a prophet who fought. Uh, and on the right, in the waters, you have a prophet who was killed, Kutala, in battle. So, how many a prophet fought with whom were many worshippers? Or in the waters, how many prophets were killed with whom were many worshippers of the Lord? What's the significance of that? Well, I mean, the same thing we're dealing here. Uh, here, the issue is min qatala, meaning someone who fought, someone who fought. But they okay? survived. Right. The other one, Warsh, the Warsh, that's the Hafs reading. The Warsh reading is saying, Qutila, someone who was killed. There is a difference between someone who is fighting and someone who actually was killed. Is the person alive or dead? That's right. Especially if I were a prophet, I would rather fight, thank you, than be killed. So right. the word changes completely here just by putting a, a kasra afata. And that's why you need to be careful, or in this case, afata down to a kasra uh, between the huffs and the watch. So huge significance there. Let's go another one. Uh, here's chapter 7, uh, verse 57, or surah 757. And you have the winds bear good news. And this is alight ibn Khalid. It then becomes the wind scatters just by changing the vowelization. He and he it is who sends forth the winds bearing good news before his mercy until when they bring up a laden cloud. Now in the Alayt Ibn Khalid translation, uh, it is, and he it is who sends forth the wind as scatterers before his mercy until when they bring up a laden cloud. Obviously the significance, does the wind bearing good news or does it scatter? It seems like the wind has two completely different functions. One is talking in a singular, one is talking in a plural. I mean, you can make an argument and say, well, okay, the meaning's still the same. Fine. But the word is not read the same. Especially significance between good news and scattering, completely different significance. I want to end with this one here, and this is chapter 98. This is the one that Shabir Ali took almost a whole hour to try to shut us down. He was so bothered by this one. And this is the Bariati on the left. Uh, when you look Bariya. And then, what's the one on the right? What so you can Al-Bari'a. Okay, and I'm just... So, you and I were talking that time, you know, when we did the show. The word Al-Bari'a by itself. What does it mean versus Al-Bari'a? Okay? And we said Al-Bari'a, one of the ways you can look at it. If you tell the Muslim on the street or an Arab, what does the word Al-Bari'a mean? They're going to say innocent. That's a natural, uh, uh, you know, basically meaning that is coming uh, to their mind. Yeah. I don't care about what the commentators think it is or what the Quranic concept uh, it is, they're saying, no, 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 it's the same word, al-bariya and al-bariya, meaning just the cre- the creation, technically speaking. Why was it written this way and why it is read this way then? Yeah, exactly. So you would actually go with Warsh before, over and above Hafs. If that's what they want. But what I'm saying is they're not getting the message. They're not getting the message, meaning like uh, Dr. Shabir Ali or others. If you take this word and ask someone who reads Arabic, what do you think the word al-bariya means? The first thing that comes to their mind is innocent. Yeah. Why? 
why didn't he think about creation or uh, creatures? Yeah, fascinating, because this has to do with us personally, because this is about the people of the book. That's us. It's tar- referring to us. Do we deserve to go to hell? Uh, if we are innocent, why were we? what are we doing in hell? If we are just simple creatures abiding eternally, the, uh, we are the worst of those creatures, then we do deserve to go to hell. So theologically speaking, from my perspective, huge theological impl- right. impl- impl- uh, implications. And here's the laughable part about all of that. They kept insisting on using later sources to support what the meaning should have meant. Well, fascinating. Obviously, these do change the meaning. Now, what we're going to do the next time, we're going to show how damaging this is for well, one of the one fellow that we saw there at the corner, and his name was Muhammad Hijab. Look and see what he did in 2020. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, brother. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. Let us reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for CIRA International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to CIRAInternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Let us reason. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.